0: Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from PhysioRoom, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for tracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Code. Again, Dr. Andrew Fix here, physical therapist at Physio Room, and your host for today's show. So what we're gonna talk about on this episode, the code to sleep hygiene, is ways that you can optimize the quality and the amount of sleep that you get. You know, I think it's a shock to nobody that sleep is probably the most important thing uh, in our life if we don't get enough of it pretty much every major function of our body is going to suffer. And when we do get enough, I think all of us can feel the difference in in how we perform and how effective we are throughout the day, whether that's mental clarity or physically being able to perform in the gym or something like that. Before we dive right in and start talking about tips and ways that you can optimize your sleep, I just want to remind everybody, no matter where you are or how you may be listening to this show, we really appreciate you taking the time to tune in, whether you're on your drive whether you're you're at your home or or something else on a walk, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this and hope that uh, you're able to pull some value from it. Okay, you guys. So what we're gonna talk about on this show, um, if you want more information, uh, I'm gonna refer you to one of the best books that I've ever read. Uh, I read this book in, in 2020. Uh, it's called Why We Sleep. And the author's name, Professor Matthew Walker, PhD, Uh, He is a uh, English scientist, professor of neuroscience at the University of California, Berkeley. And um, he has done extensive research and study focused on the impact of sleep and what impact that has on human health. Okay. So uh, in no way am I going to be able to, you know, read you, read you the whole book on this show, but if you want more information or you want to dive into more applicable tips on these things that we go through, I would absolutely recommend that book to any and everyone. Whether you listen to it on audio, whether you read it, whatever. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. Okay. So let's just jump right in. Okay. So, in his book, Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, um, he lays out a case for why, if we don't get enough sleep, you're basically tanking your entire life and um, ways that you can go about optimizing your sleep quality, your sleep hygiene, uh, setting sleep routines and everything. And, uh, at least in my my, um, recollection of reading the book, it it sort of scared me straight in a way. Um, He goes through a lot of data and a lot of studies that talk about all of the major health complications and issues that um, poor sleep or lack of sleep are linked to. I mean, and I'm going to list off some of these things, things like cancer, all different varieties, weight gain, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, Um, you know, fertility complications, struggling to get pregnant, uh, repeated illnesses, having just a weakened immune system damage to your DNA. And just quite frankly, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, one of the ones that, you know, sort of scared me the most is the links to dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, that's something that, you know, runs in my family. So I want to do everything that I can to try and prevent, prevent that from being something that I have to or my immediate family has to deal with in the future. Well, one of the easiest ways is to get enough sleep. So how much is enough, right? Well, the general recommendation for everybody, no matter how old you are, and of course, this is going to vary just a little bit based on age, but on average, we need to get eight hours of sleep a night. So you might say, Andrew, I, I go to bed at 10, I wake up at six pretty much every day. I get eight hours of sleep. Unfortunately, uh, Matthew Walker goes through all of the different phases and cycles that we have in our sleep. Um, You know, REM sleep, non-REM sleep, and just that process falling asleep, waking. Unfortunately, the amount of time that you spend in bed that you think you are asleep does not equal or correlate to the amount of time that you actually sleep. And, um, that was something that I never really thought about too much. You know, I just thought about, yeah, if I wake up in the middle of the night, uh, due to a dream or, or maybe I wake up to use the restroom, of course, that time comes out of my total sleep time, but there are other periods throughout the night too, that we may not even know we're not getting sleep, but we're actually awake. And you may not even be aware of that. So what I've noticed is, um, this increase in the, uh, increase in the usage or increase in the, the number of people that i see having things that uh, that we'll call wearables things that you can wear to help track your sleep quality track your sleep um performance things like uh the brand whoop that i wear on my wrist and this is the reason that i started wearing it i i read this book and i said i need to buy something that's going to help me track my sleep because the watch that i own doesn't do that um the aura ring is another one that I see a lot of people wear those two are both very popular. Um, and I think a lot of people will maybe use their Apple watch or, or something else. I know there's apps on your phone that you can use for this, but I would recommend using something because I totally subscribe to the idea that what gets measured gets managed or what gets measured gets improved. However, you want to say that. And I don't think I ever took a hard enough look at my sleep quality and my recovery until I started actually tracking it with some, some form. Okay. So we need eight hours of sleep. You don't get the amount of sleep that equals the amount of time that you spend in bed. It's always going to be less on any given night. I tend to find, you know, if I'm in bed for eight and a half hours, well, I probably only slept for seven hours and 15 minutes or something like that. Last night, I went to bed a little bit later than I normally do, but still woke up at about the same time. I only got six and a half hours of sleep less than than my average. My average has been sitting above the above the 7, um right around that 715 range. Um and that seems to be, I mean that's the number that I've been shooting for because I was lower than that before I started reading uh reading this book wearing the whoop and um I've been trying to put some of these tips we're going to go through into place in my my own life and um it's challenging. My recommendation to you as we go through these tips is not to put uh try to accomplish all of these things at once. But just like building any sort of habit, you know, start to start to build a habit of one of these. If you're not already doing it, when you have that firmly established, move on to another one. But oftentimes you try to bite off more than you can chew. It, It becomes harder to accomplish. So I would just recommend, you know, the domino effect, knock one down, move on to the next, move on to the next, move on to the next. But let's, uh, let's do a little summary of, of Matthew's book. Um, Dr. Walker's book, and give you some tips and ways that you can optimize to create a strategy around your sleep and optimize your sleep hygiene and performance. Okay. One of the biggest things that you can do, there's going to be 11 or 12 of these tips, but uh, one of the biggest things that you can do is set a sleep schedule for yourself. Try to have a similar going to bed and waking up time on all days of the week, not just weekdays, you know. I know a lot of us, uh, we know that we can't make up for lost sleep time, but that doesn't mean we still don't try. Right. Um, you know, we try to sleep in a little bit more on the weekend or something like that. One of the things that can help your body set up its routine is having a consistent time. And that's probably the number one priority that came out of his book is have a regular sleep schedule and stick to that on all days of the week. And, um, you know, adjust your lifestyle accordingly to be able to stick to that schedule. Um, it helps you make sure you get tired at the right time. Your body's clock just gets, gets normalized. Okay. Now I'm not sure if you're a morning exerciser, afternoon, evening. Another one of the recommendations is to keep your exercise time of the day further away from the time that you're going to be going to bed. So obviously we want you to exercise. I would totally recommend it, whatever type you subscribe to, but try to keep it no closer than two to three hours before you go to bed, just because it's going to stimulate different types of energy systems in our body that are not the same as what we want to be effective uh, when we're trying to go to bed. Okay. So exercise, just keep it away from when you're trying to go to bed Um, as I'm recording this episode. Let me take a sip here. I'm having a cup of coffee, so that's going to directly contradict with this, with this uh, next bullet. However, um caffeine and nicotine something that we should avoid things that have been linked and um studies show that they disrupt sleep quality whether that's soda tea coffee you name it even even things like chocolate that contain caffeine these are of course stimulants they're going to keep keep your uh your brain active and keep keep you from getting quality sleep even if you fall asleep um the brain activity that you have is going to be a little bit higher from having consumed these things. Um, so everybody has a little different, uh, effect of those. You know, some people are faster metabolizers or slower metabolizers of caffeine than others. I remember, you know, going to weddings and things, uh, coffee is often served with the, uh, with the dessert, with the cake at the end. And I remember watching my dad be able to just drink coffee nine o'clock at night. We come home, he goes, boom, right to bed, brushes teeth, goes to bed. I'm like, how do you do that? Um, I didn't really start drinking coffee myself until after, uh, like after I got through high school. I was in college. Actually, I was I was really mostly out of college. I was in my first job, and um, you know it was available in the in the clinic that I was working in, and that was really the time that I started drinking coffee. But one of the uh, strategies that I've implemented after reading this this book is um, I've stopped drinking coffee past a certain time of the day. So I used to have a cup of coffee at one, or two in the afternoon after lunch, my coworkers would make another pot. Well, what I've started to do is just dial that number back. I've dialed that number back to noon. And then pretty much now I'm in this nine, 10 a.m range that I don't drink coffee past nine or 10 a.m. So that's mm-hmm. exactly what's going to happen today. I'm drinking a cup of coffee and um by nine o'clock we'll be done because I've noticed with this whoop that I'm wearing, I do have a change in my sleep quality when I cut that caffeine out earlier. So, avoiding caffeine and nicotine, in theory, will help with your sleep quality. Now, this one is going to be a controversy, uh, controversial topic here. Avoiding alcohol, particularly before bedtime. So, alcohol will make you drowsy, right? But what it doesn't do is help you actually sleep. Alcohol trashes your sleep quality, you guys. So, this is another thing. I I drink alcohol occasionally. This is another thing that I've started to do and tried to be more diligent of since reading this book and focusing more on my sleep quality is if I am going to drink, you know, drink earlier in the day, have a have a drink with lunch or something like that. Um, as opposed to right before bedtime or following dinner in terms of sleep quality, avoiding the alcohol before bed is going to help your sleep quality. And I've directly noticed that, like I have, I have noticed that, um, without a doubt that that impacts the quality of sleep that I get. Uh, This has probably been of the tips that came out of the book. um, This next one, one of the most challenging things for me, just because of how I have my schedule set up, uh, the time that I see clients till in the day, and then the time that I end up getting home, winding down and um, you know, going through my following work routine, eating dinner and everything, is to help your sleep quality, you want to avoid larger meals and beverages later in the day, like close to bedtime. So um, eating a heavy meal that your body's going to have to spend time and energy digesting. It's going to take a few hours will disrupt your sleep quality. Um, and then on the fluid side, right? Well, of course, the more you drink later at night, the more you're going to have to wake up and possibly use the restroom. And that's going to disrupt your sleep quality as well. So what I'm not advocating for is, um, you know, not being hydrated throughout the day, but you may want to front end load that hydration rather than rear and load it so that you, uh, you're you able to get to bed, fall asleep, and not have to wake up multiple times throughout the night to uh, to use the restroom, and don't have your body having to digest that large meal right uh, right when you're trying to go to bed, okay? So that's been a challenge for me. I'm starting to make some changes in my daily schedule in order to try and accomplish that one um, so that I can see my, my sleep score on my my app go up a little bit. So this is something, this next one that I've never really been able uh, to do very well. Uh, Maybe it's just kind of a high strung person or something, but um, I know a lot of my friends will take brief naps, little power naps throughout the day. And, um, you know, for supplementing your sleep and your energy naps are great. However, you may want to avoid trying to take them too late in the day so that they don't disrupt your actual sleep. Um, in the evening. So depending on, you know, if you live like a relatively normal, you wake up in the morning, you go to bed at night when the the sun is rising and stuff, um, routine, uh, just try to keep those naps, you know, three, four in the afternoon prior to that, because the later you put those naps, the more it may impact your sleep quality throughout the night and make it harder for you to fall, fall asleep. Um, having a sleep routine. So this is the next tip leave yourself some time before bed to have this sleep routine and go through this winding down period. What's really hard for our body to do is go from being like on, 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 you're working, you're, you know, you're, you're doing things and then come home and boom, lay down and expect your body just to shut off and go to bed. That's tough for us to do. You want to have a little bit of a routine. Um, one of the things we often talk with clients about at physio room is the um, parasympathetic or down-regulation effects of tissue mobilization. So what I mean by that is utilizing things like foam rollers or a massage gun or something where you are mobilizing out tissue can have a down-regulatory effect on our our nervous system and help you kind of wind down before bed. Okay, Um, so give yourself some time to go through a little sleep routine, Um, whether that's, you know, journaling or reading a book or whatever that might be, that's going to help you fall asleep. Okay. Let's start talking about temperature a little bit. So this is one of the things that can impact your sleep uh big time. You probably already know this. If if you've ever slept in a place where you either do have air conditioning, you don't have air conditioning or heat and whatnot, your sleep is affected by the temperature that you find yourself in. So body temperature, especially things like taking a hot bath prior to bed can help you um, actually, it's sort of contradictory, but it can actually help you decrease your body temperature when you actually go to bed um which seems weird to me since you're taking this hot bath but it's because of the effect that the hot bath has on our physiology it can actually decrease your body temperature and help you feel sleepy and and sort of wind down now the temperature in the room and how you have your environment set up in the room is going to greatly impact your sleep as well so i know it's it's 2022 we have All this information right at our fingertips. We've got iPhones, we've got Androids, we've got whatever you have, all sorts of gadgets, watches, um, computers, tablets, you name it. Unfortunately, these things (laughs) disrupt our sleep quality, right? So if you can have your bedroom or wherever you're sleeping be gadget free, you know, like we don't have a television in our bedroom. We used to, and we used to, you know, watch that television and watch an episode of something or watch a sporting event and then turn it off and try to go to sleep. Um you know we sleep much better without that TV in there because what we're leaving our bedroom for is you know things that are essential for that space. And I, I believe in the book um in the book Why We Sleep, he talks about, you know, your bedroom should be used and your bed should be used for sleep and sex. And those are the two things like, you know, that that should be used for. It shouldn't be used for studying and, you know, eating and watching TV and doing all these other different types of activities. Cause that just confuses our body and that confuses our, our routine and our system. Um, because you want to have your brain be planning to go to bed when you go get in bed, right? Like you want your body's cycle to be just so in tune with, Oh, well, this is where I come when I want to go to sleep. So, oh, now I start yawning. You know, Let me get tired. As for the gadgets, um, I know a lot of us utilize our, our phones for you know, our alarm and things waking up. Um, I actually charge my phone in the bathroom next to, next to uh, our bedroom, not on the nightstand right next to my bed. I'm real old school. I still use an alarm clock radio. Um, I've used that Ever since I was in like middle school or high school, it's the exact same one. It's moved with me half dozen times. But the reason I do that is so that I don't have my phone right next to me um, all night long. So even if I turn it on silence or something, I don't want that phone right next to me because then if I wake up in the middle of the night, it's sitting right there. And um, it's just like, you know, begging me to check to see if there's any sort of notifications or anything like that. I just try to take that urge away. And, and I keep that phone away from me. Now, if you do use it for an alarm, I don't know if you're a a light sleeper like me, but if, if my phone was sitting in, in the bathroom, that's, you know, only probably 10 feet away from where I'm sleeping, I'm still totally going to wake up when that goes off. So that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't deter me from that. That would be a recommendation I have for you is try to keep the, the screens, the laptops, the phones, the televisions out of your sleep um, winding down routine. You know, if you can sort of start to put those things away an hour or more prior to going to bedtime, the studies will show that you're going to have a better time falling asleep compared to people who just scroll themselves to sleep, right? You're disrupting the, um, you know, the secretion of our sleep hormones, things like melatonin that are going to help you fall asleep you your, you know, you need that, you need that sleep pressure to help you fall asleep. Um, now speaking of the environment that we're sleeping in, you know, what about the temperature? We were sort of talking about the temperature, um, having a dark, cool environment is going to be optimal for sleep quality. I believe I remember in the book, um, the number 65 degrees Fahrenheit. That is 65 degrees being, you know, what's, uh, optimal for sleep. Um, you know, our, in our home that we live in now, the heat really rises. So we keep our temperature actually a little lower than that. Because on the second floor, where our bedroom is, it's noticeably warmer than what the thermostat downstairs says. Um, but having that cool space where you're able to, you know, not be sweating throughout the night, your body temperature is going to rise while you sleep, right? So you want to try and have that room be a little bit cooler to help you out with um, with your quality. So 65 degrees, and then the darkness, right? If you have room darkening shades. Or something like that. That is great. If you don't, I would highly recommend uh, investing in a basic one that fits comfortably. Sleeping mask. Um, I started bringing this on travel trips so that if I'm, you know, sleeping in a hotel or I'm sleeping in someone else's home that I don't normally sleep in, you know, I don't know what the uh, the curtain situation is going to be in that room. I don't know what the light pollution is going to be like in that room. Well, rather than just saying, oh, well, we'll just see when I get there. I try to just set myself up for being prepared. I bring that sleeping mask. Um, I don't never, normally wear it at home because we have those room darkening curtains. However, on the road, I bring that with, and if the room's dark, I don't use it. But if the room has light coming in that um, I tend to sleep so much better when it's dark, I just throw that mask on and um, you know, I fall asleep so much easier. So of course, that's artificial light. Um, what about... sunlight can affect it well you know if you're somebody who sleeps at i don't want to say not normal but the non-typical like what the majority of the population time of day that they sleep at if you're someone that sleeps at different times maybe you work a different shift um, then i would absolutely recommend having what we just said room darkening shades sleep mask something like that that's going to help you get that dark environment um but you know, this is also a challenge when you have these schedules and these routines that are outside of the typical sun time throughout the day when the sun and the moon, moon are in the air. Um, your circadian rhythm is going to be a little bit thrown off. And one of the things that just like baffles my mind more than anything is we have all this data, all this information um, that's available. People like Matthew Matthew Walker write this book that just provides us with all of this information. However, some of the people that we look to, to um, be like pillars of health or, um, you know, people that are probably doing things the right way. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, I was like, oh, I want to be a police officer. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor, right? Well, that one, that one panned out, but different, different type than what I was thinking of in this context. I don't know too many physical therapists that um, work overnight, but there are a lot of nurses, physicians, firefighters, police officers, um that we'll lump into this category of shift workers right people that work around the clock maybe you're a hospitalist and you work 12 hours or 24 hours on and then you have 24 hours off and maybe you do that for like a 7 day period maybe you work 12 hours a day for 7 days then maybe you have a week off um or maybe you're a nurse and you're working nights all of the things that we were talking about at the very beginning of this the the cancer the, the dementia the weight gain Like all of these things that are negatively impacted by lack of sleep show up in, in these populations, unfortunately, one of the things that like wreaks havoc on our sleep quality and on our life, the most are like these jobs that, um, you know, require us to work at all times of the day. And one of the best things you can do, if you have the ability, um, to, to get yourself out of that schedule and out of that routine, I would totally recommend it. because. A lot of negative health effects are seen in those types of situations. Um, now, not everybody has the ability to do that. Um, I know those jobs are important and they're required, and they they help the rest of us, you know, be able to, um, you know, what if you're in the hospital? Well, of course, you would want someone helping take care of you overnight, or you know, you you may not be able to control if if something happens, and maybe your, you know, your home catches on fire. Well. Whatever time of day that is, you would hope somebody's going to arrive to help you out with that when you call the uh, the fire department. But as it relates to this conversation, sleep quality and shift work do not go hand in hand, right? Like these are things that um, that we can control to some extent. And um, if you have the ability to break out of that, i would uh, I would recommend it. Now, for everyone else that is sleeping at, you know when it's nighttime and awake when it's daytime, trying to get some regular sunlight exposures throughout the day can actually help your body get sleep quality. So I believe in the book, they recommend 30 minutes a day of sunlight. Now that would just be good anyways, because I believe getting outside is great for our health. Um, You know, many, many years ago, evolutionarily speaking, we didn't have all these homes and artificial light and things, um, and you had to get some sunlight. I think that's a good thing. So um, try to get outside each day if you want to try and help your sleep quality. And then this is one that, um, that I thought was interesting in the book. Um, and this is the, the last tip that I'll uh, I'll share with you. And then I'll sort of dive in a little bit more on some other things. But if you really are struggling to fall asleep, whether that's, you know, when you first wake up or excuse me, when you first go to bed or in the middle of the night, you wake up and you can't fall back asleep, don't continue to stay in bed, you know, have like a time frame that you're going to try to go to sleep but if you really can't sleep, but what they recommend in the book is not continuing to just lay there. So I think they said, if you're in bed for more than 20 minutes and you are not falling asleep yet, what often happens is we start to get anxious. And then we just start to think about that. And, um, and then it just makes us even harder to fall asleep because we're trying so hard to fall asleep. So they recommend getting up, getting out of the bedroom, Go do something in your house, preferably you know that doesn't contradict some of the things we said before. I wouldn't recommend going and get on your phone um, and then having the light impact you. But maybe that's go read a book. Maybe that is just go for a a gentle light kind of walk. Um, you know you don't want to do too vigorous of exercise, but something that just gets you out of that anxious state of trying to fall asleep so hard and I can't do it. And then when you start to feel sleepy, maybe you start to yawn. Then go back to bed in the bedroom and try to fall back asleep. Um, so that's what they would recommend in the book. So we're going to talk more on this show on episodes about nutrition and things. So let's just talk about how nutrition and obesity, one of the things that um, poor sleep quality has been shown to impact being more likely to, to suffer from obesity, be overweight and how, how that's impacted by sleep. So the, the major thing that comes to mind for me in talking about that, is just how whether you're getting proper sleep or not is going to impact our satiety hormones or our hunger hormones um, throughout the day. So, um, if you're familiar with these terms, leptin and ghrelin are hormones within our body that help regulate our appetite. When we're getting poor sleep, it's going to throw off the ratio of those hormones in our body. So, leptin. Is the hormone that decreases or suppresses our appetite. And ghrelin is the one that increases it. So normally, you know, you would eat some food, you would start to feel uh, feel full, leptin's going to be secreted, you're going to start to uh suppress that appetite and decrease your hunger. When you're starting to feel hungry, ghrelin is going to be a little bit stronger and you're going to, you know, be driven to eat. Well, when we don't get proper sleep, our ghrelin levels rise. Our leptin levels drop, and we are less able to control from a hormonal standpoint that hunger. Right. So, I know a lot of people in the industry that I work in that's very involved in fitness and everything, a lot of people that are going through lifestyle changes, whether that be dietary or exercise. People have goals of, um, you know, physique, whether it's a fitness show or something like that, or goals of just losing weight. One of, The simplest things that you can do to help you indirectly is get proper sleep. And I know a lot of times in those situations, that's not the first thing that people focus on. You know, they focus on, ah, I got to wake up early. I've got to get to the gym before I start my work day every day, or I've got to pack my gym bag. And as soon as work's over, I go to go to the gym, get my workout in. Well, if you're not getting adequate sleep, that may all be for naught. Now, I'm not telling you exercise is not important. It's really important. But all of the professional athletes that we watch on television and whatnot, I can tell you that um, they are probably putting a much higher emphasis on sleep than, than we do in our normal lives, because without it, their performance is going to suffer. And um, generally speaking, you don't see too many of uh, professional athletes in in an obese situation. Now, you see people that are heavy, offensive linemen in football Um, people that, um, are in weightlifting sports, weight class sports, um, of course there are larger people, but they're really strong. They're really athletic. This is different than what we're talking about. Um, so from a weight management standpoint and a hormonal standpoint, getting proper sleep quality is going and sleep performance is going to positively impact you. Whereas if you're suffering on that, it's going to be an uphill battle to fight against the hormones in our body and, uh, and still be able to manage that. So. Again, I would highly, highly recommend the book Why We Sleep to Virtually Anybody. Um, and we're going to talk to some people that have gone through some changes in how they how they handle um their sleep. I mean, I'm one of them. I've made some changes in how I do this. I have um drastically increased the amount of time that I spend in bed once I was able to visibly see that wow, I spent eight hours in bed, but I only got seven hours of sleep. And that was like eye-opening to me. So it's something that um, you know often gets taken for granted that how much we sleep is going to have such a big impact on our on our uh, performance, no matter what that be work, sport, recreation. Um, and a lot of people say, "Oh, I can get by on four hours or six hours of sleep," but the data would suggest otherwise. You may be getting by, but you're not performing optimally, and that's what this show is about right? Setting you up for success and helping people create strategies to perform optimally. So again, this is the code to proper sleep hygiene. We went through some tips that come directly out of that book, why we sleep, go read it, go listen to it, start to implement these things in your daily life and nightly life so that you can start to optimize your sleep performance and reap the benefits of higher performance as a result. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, I'm Dr. Andrew Fix with Physio Room, and we'll talk to you next time.